Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, but I thought Brian and Ryan done a fantastic job the last few weeks. Did you, do you agree? Unbelievable. And if you know me, I'm a big believer in building team. I believe, why? Because I believe Jesus was a, a big believer in building team. Hence why he decided his strategy for changing the world around us for eternity was to choose 12 people and invest into them. And so I'm so excited just to see who God is bringing uh, along uh, and just to see team forming. It's so exciting. I, I love to be a part of it. And uh, I'm excited to see how things they develop. I really feel like we're going into a new phase, a new season, a new era, and uh, I want to prepare well for, for January. We're starting that now. Uh, really, really feel like devotion, a church that is devoted to, to intimacy with God is the goal. <clears throat> that means we're not just a Sunday-type church and the rest of the week we do what we want. We're, we're in intimacy and relationship with God all throughout the week, and that's where our life source comes from, and, and then out of that flows everything that we do, uh, and so that's what we're going for. Uh, for January, we're starting preparation, hopefully going to have like a little book for you to a devotion every day to help you along. Uh, I'm going to get on that this week, and uh, hopefully have that printed out, ready to go um, as we go into the season of prayer and fasting in January, so it's going to be exciting. Um, if we, little recap from last week. I'm actually going to try and piggyback on what Ran spoke about. He also talked about a homework that we had. Hope you've done your homework. <laughs> Give us a YouTube video to watch. You remember that, yeah? Well, I watched it and I listened. It was brilliant. I took a few little nuggets from, from it that I'm going to touch on today as well as some other things. Um, Ran spoke about last week, uh, do God's will anyways. Uh, give God praise anyways and pray anyways, more or less saying that sometimes in life we just got to do things because it's the right thing to do, more so than a feeling. And if you're, if you're like me, sometimes it's very easy to be led by your feelings. Why? Because it feels good. <laughs> I was on holidays and we were in a buffet. We had a half board, got a good deal, got half board, and we went to a buffet setting, and all you can eat, all you can eat, and there was a different type of food every day, breakfast and dinner. Uh, and so I'd just done it anyway. But it was feelings-led. Baggy t-shirt today. Uh, and, and so what, what I had to learn and, and realize that sometimes in life we have to resist or do things because it's the right thing to do. And to lead myself well and to be a good leader, I have to first learn to lead me. This is the hardest person to lead by the way. Is anyone with me? And as I watched that video and I heard Rand speak last week, I felt God really spoke to me through that. And I felt one of the things that stood out for me was that as we gather here corporately, as I meet with God daily, God has called me to minister to Him. I thought, what a crazy concept. That why would God, why would you even need me? Well, God doesn't need me to minister to Him, but He loves it. And he's designed it in such a way and, and designed us in such a way that we're made for it. It's in our DNA. It's in our design. We were designed to worship something. We were designed to worship God, but some of us are worshiping other things. And it's so easy to get distracted. In the world that we live in, with the busyness 
to find things which feel nice initially, or exciting initially, and that's what withdraws our attention, our worship. Yeah? And so what I really want to look at today is, right, we're going to go on a journey, and I want to unlock the life in you, because God has designed you to bring life, to be someone who facilitates life, but also holds life, breathes life, lives life. He doesn't want to steal life. He doesn't want to, to, to limit your life. He doesn't want to hurt your life. He wants to allow your life to be on steroids so that you can produce life and give life. Amen? Church is supposed to be the liveliest place in the community every day of the week. It's a source of life. It's not a source of religious behavior, of just do's and don'ts. It's a place where we go to learn rhythms of life. Not stress, not panic, not worry, life. Amen? Does anybody want to live life? We see, when we were in a transition period across the Atlantic, as Niall is used to doing on a continual basis, I'm convinced, Niall, you have free Wi-Fi. I need to talk to you about that afterwards. I'm convinced he's watching, while the robot is controlling the plane, he's watching movies and Netflix all day. I'm going to ask him that after. Anyhow, we're on transition in a season. We're coming from Dublin, and we're going to Dubai. That's where we went to, because it was warm. And so we give them our cases, and we lock up all our possessions and our, the things that we use for life, our trainers for the gym, and our shorts, and, and our Speedos, and all that other stuff that you would probably wear. And we lock it all in this case. Uh, we get it all nice and tight, uh, and then we get the zips put together, and then we get our little lock, right? Get the debt, get the lock on, make sure no one's fiddling about with our possessions because there's some valuable things in there like hair gel, <laughs> you know, some valuable things in there like sun cream, don't want to get burnt, everything, if I, do, if I get burnt, the whole day is over, I don't want to get too many blotchy, you know, the Irish people do it, you know, blotchy red patches everywhere, I don't want that, so I need that cream, everything in there matters to me, I need it, but I'm going to put it in this hard shell just for a little while to protect it so that I'm able to get to my destination, to enjoy it, to have life, to have fun, to have joy. To be honest, what I needed most from the holiday personally was a reset, a reset in my soul. I need to slow down. Because if I'm honest, I'd probably have a bit of a hard shell on me, but I wasn't in transition. I was just living life. I had a bit of a container on my heart just because of busyness, and, and I wasn't able to be vulnerable with God as much as I wanted to, or vulnerable with Anna as much as I wanted to be, because I was busy. Is anyone been there or there right now? And so what the problem is, is I, I'm living potentially life limited because I'm, a lot of the life that I want to live is packaged away as if I'm going somewhere because I'm so busy, and it's locked away. And there's a deadlock on it, and I'm not accessing life. I'm accessing worry. I'm accessing busyness. I'm accessing hurt. I'm accessing unforgiveness. My mind's on overload. And I want to break the deadlock so I can access life. And maybe you're there right now as well, that the part of your life that you love the most isn't, is hid away. It's locked up. There's a deadlock on it, and you need the code you even need the time to get the code. You need the source of life 
so that you can open it and start to access all the things that cause you to live life. So today's message is called Break the Deadlock. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you that you came and you sent Jesus, your son, to break the deadlock on life, to break the dead things, to remove the things that do not produce life the way you intended it to be. We're here to break the rhythm today, to break the rhythm of sin, to break the rhythm and the cycles of hurt and unforgiveness. God, I pray you break the deadlock in our hearts. God, that we would become intimate again with you and devoted to you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. See, the word deadlock, by definition, means to, bring to, to break the deadlock means to bring to an end a stalemate or a standstill. Or some might say they finally broke the deadlock, meaning you've been in a position of stillness, in a position where, where, where you're stuck, in, in a position where you're hard. There's a hard shell around you. This hard shell was only supposed to be t- a temporary measure until I got to the destination where I could open it up and enjoy. The problem is some of us are living our life as if we're living like the, the suitcase is closed. And there's all of this life that's available to us, but it's not in our daily habits, in our daily routines. We don't have time for it. We've just put it to the side. We can't access it. And we need to break the deadlock. Does anybody want to break the deadlock? Three people. (laughs) So it says this in in 1 Timothy 2 and 8. This is Paul speaking to a church, and he's coming to the end of this chapter, and he's he's bringing a conclusion. And there's actually been a problem mostly with probably the men, uh, and that's why he's speaking specifically to the men. Who knows that men can harden their heart? Women, don't say it too loud, but give us an amen. 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 And so what happens when men harden their heart is disputes happen, problems happen, fights happen, fists are up. And so this is what, in 1 Timothy it says, therefore I want men everywhere, everyone say everywhere. Let's say everywhere again. Men everywhere to pray. Lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. So there's something about when we lift up holy hands and when we pray that can potentially counteract disputes and anger. There's something about when pride kicks up, it causes problems, but when humility kicks up, it brings peace. It brings wholeness. It brings life. It opens and breaks the deadlock. Can I get an amen? It says in Psalms 134, 1-2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. All throughout the Psalms, all throughout the Scriptures, we see there's something about lifting hands. What is the deal with lifting up hands? When I was growing up, and, and being, I've been around a few different circles, being brought Baptist, uh, and I was brought Catholic, lifting up hands weren't really a thing. And to be honest, some of the circles I ran in, we made fun of those people. Screwing the light bulbs, what are they doing? <laughs> and honestly, on, on first, when I kind of seen it at first, I'm like, 
It nearly, it was as if, well, I know what that person is certainly not perfect that they just rose their hand. I nearly got judgmental on them raising their hands up because I thought they were nearly putting their hands up. Look at me. I'm better than everyone. And then when I realized and I understood what the scripture meant by raising up hands and all that kind of stuff, it's really nothing to do with that person saying they're better than anyone. Actually, it's probably more an act of humility and ministering to God. It's nothing about them saying how good they are. It's probably more a posture of humility. It's a bit embarrassing at first. <laughs> to be quite honest, I didn't really want to do it because I felt vulnerable putting my hand up. What if people think I'm, think I'm better because that was my filter? Or, or what if you know, I look stupid? Or what if people make fun? All those different thoughts, and I know you've thought it. But we're going to break the deadlock today. Are you ready? <laughs> You're getting nervous now. So, so what is it, when people hold their hands, up, where, where do we usually see that? I was about to get a video <laughs> of a guy who didn't hold his hands up and tried to run away from a cop. It's on the news recently. Uh, he tried to run away from a cop and he ran. He thought he was going to get through a window, but it was reinforced and he, he hit the window and came back. Sometimes that's what I look like when I don't want to give in to my wife. <laughs> Why? Because pride. I don't want to surrender. I want to run. I want to fight. I want to resist the, tempt, the temptation to give in to God's presence, God's ways. And, and so, if we look at th this action here, this is what we see when people surrender. I know some of us in here struggle, and we love the idea of no surrender, but you need, you need to work on that, because God's way is to surrender. And when we put our hands up, if you're in a UFC fight, like with Finbar, and you go into the fight like this, into the center of the ring, get ready, you're about to get beat. Because you're not protected. You're vulnerable. But for some reason, we see within the scriptures, God loves the raising up of holy hands. Why? If I'm looking to fight, my hands are protected. I'm, I'm, I'm hard. There's a hard. I'm putting a shell a protective layer around me. But, but when I'm vulnerable, I'm open. I'm unprotected. I'm trusting that the situation I'm in is safe. When we come before God, He's a good Father. Some of you have experienced bad fathers. God's a good Father. And you might have to struggle through that and renew your mind and rewire your brain to realize and remind yourself that God is a good father. So you can go into his presence unprotected, vulnerable, and something happens in the process. You know, I, I got engaged a few years back and I went into process of dating Anna. Seen her at the legs. Woo! Pretended I was interested, you know, I was pretending I was ministering, ministering to her. Well, I actually was, to be quite honest. I'm trying to be cool. I was ministering to her because she wasn't interested initially. Then the Lord spoke through me. Anyhow, I, I was speaking to her and uh, we got in a relationship and I got to the stage, I had a few mentors around me. Uh, to be honest, I probably struggled to let go and commit myself to someone forever. <laughs> had some issues, still do. In other areas, thankfully. And the, the process of me letting go and committing to someone and getting engaged 
wasn't the same as everyone else's because of maybe some things that happened in my past. And I, I, I struggled to trust. I struggled to let go. And if you know, like a lot of guys, sometimes we like, when we try to look cool on the outside, we put a hard shell, but really underneath it, we're weak. And the hard shell is protecting us. There's a deadlock on, there was a deadlock on my heart. And so I had some great mentors who were putting pressure on me, like, Phil, it's all in or all out. You got to make a decision. Stop messing the girl around. Oh, but I'm more comfortable not doing anything. I'll just get to know her a wee bit more. I'll just take more time. That was what was comfortable for me. I don't want to have to make a decision to give my life away to somebody. I would be more comfortable, more safe with a hard shell up and just in control. And thankfully, those mentors, Paul Reed being one of them, kept texting me, Phil, what's the deal? Um, go away, Paul. Go away. But I, I respected him. I was like, he's right. He's right. I know. And so I promise you, I actually started to shake. The day I, I even called Tim and Jude, it's like, oh, so how do you know they're the one? How do you know? And really what was going on was there was a fight between my spirit and my flesh. There was fear. I was battling. I knew what the right thing was to do, but, but fear was kicking up. And so I actually was shaking a little bit before I went to ask Anna to marry me. I'm just being honest. Can I be real? Can we talk about real chat in church instead of making it all fluffy and like Disney? And it's not going to help you one bit apart from making you feel awful because you're not that good. Well, I'm not that good either. And so I ended up doing it. I'm telling you, what it caused me to do was die to myself and make a decision that wasn't based on comfort or emotion. And that was the best foundation I could have ever asked for. Because it meant that my commitment to Anna when I married her, it was nothing to do with all the fuzzy feelings. And it was actually a foundation that, 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 that wasn't related to whether I felt good or not. I'm committed to you. The foundation that I have here is one of sacrifice, one of commitment. It's, it's the agape type of commitment that Jesus committed to on the cross. He done it anyway. It's not based on emotions and infatuation and all those feelings which come and go, which are good, and they're definitely there, but sometimes they're not. Can I get an amen? amen? And that's okay. And that's the same with our relationship with God. Sometimes we go through things and our emotions are we're fired up, we're, fa we're fanning the, the fire of faith in, in our hearts, and sometimes we're not feeling it, we're still, gonna, we're still committed. We still made a decision. God's still there. Jesus still died and rose again. But I just got to allow my emotions to realign with what's true. Can I get an amen? So relationships need public commitment. So when you become born again, or you make a commitment to receive salvation. You make a public commitment. You get water baptized. Some people here who have made that decision recently, you need to get water baptized. Just to establish I've made this decision. It's a commitment. Yes, you might be embarrassed. That's okay. Do it anyway. Yes, you might feel scared. You do it anyway. You need to do it public. Forget about emotions first. Stop giving your emotions so much power. They're the things which will destroy you. Because emotions are terrible leaders, but they're great followers. That's why it's the Word of God. That, that leads us. Jesus became the Word. The Word became flesh. That's our leader. 
Can I get an amen? See, it's funny, when I was in Dubai with Anna, we realized I was kind of laser focused on I need to reset my soul. My mind, my will, my emotions just need to relax and reset from all the busyness and, and just recalibrate. And, and then I, I says, I, I just want a pool, I want a beach, I want food, I want a gym, and that's me. That's it. I want a simple life. And then I realized my wife started thinking and talking and researching every night before we went for about a month or two months, all of the different attractions in Dubai. And I'm like, this is not what I planned for. What are you doing? Stop teasing yourself. We're not doing it. We're not going to the tallest building in the world and spending the whole day shopping in the gold markets in Dubai. We're not going to the biggest mall in the world. I don't care. I want the pool. I quickly realized there's some things my wife wanted to do that I did not. There's controversy. Did you know that relationships are hard work? <laughs> did you know that sometimes you have to die to self and there's sacrifice, honestly. And there's a part of me that has to die that feels so painful that I can't get my own way because for, for a long time I got my own way when I was single. Oh, ooh. So guess who ended up at the market? <laughs> and not just that, she, Anna convinced me somehow to buy her Christmas present in the market. <laughs> and we were at the mall and in safari and at the Atlantis at the water park I didn't mind that one, that was fun but there was sacrifice and there was a lot of things that Anna had to sacrifice for me just going and land at the beach and she's like ah. at the pool but one of the best things that we done is we got to sacrifice time to spend time with God at the start of every day. I would say the single-handedly uh, most influential thing on us the whole holiday that revived us and gave us life was devotion at the start of every day. And I promise you this, we didn't want to do it. Let, let me rephrase this. A part of us didn't want to do it. A part of us wanted to go to the pool, wanted to go to the market, not me. A part of us wanted to go to the beach, me. Food, me. All you can eat, me. But we learned the rhythm early on. We've got to do devotion. Or we're, I'm going to end up out of this holiday, not full of life. The deadlock will not be broke. My soul will not be revived. I will not be refreshed. I will, I've just been busy and probably came back tighter than I went. That was the best thing that we'd done. But one thing I realized was sacrifice was key to unleashing that power. Watch this. In Hebrews 13 and 15, therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. So our praise is a sacrifice. As we minister to God, it's a sacrifice. It's not doesn't have to be what you want at that moment in time. It doesn't have to be, oh, church is today, it's at 11 o'clock. And what? Make it happen. Do it anyway. God needs your sacrifice and so do you. This is why I'm so keen on having a serve one, attend one policy at church because everybody needs the opportunity at least once a week to have corporate worship, to give God a sacrifice of praise. 
Because something happens when we minister to God. Here's the problem, and I've fallen into this. And it's probably what stole from my soul is I used to, I just naturally fell into, I like that song when I'm worshiping. I hope to sing this song and then I'll enjoy worship. What? Who's worship about, Phil? I started to, to, to start to believe that the worship was about me. I want the worship songs that I like. And I'm not saying that you're not attracted to different songs and whatever. But remember, first and foremost, as we spoke about last week, that we're here to minister to God. We're here to give Him what He wants. Listen, there's certain things that God just loves us to do. There's certain things. God, God is actually like Anna in some ways, or Anna's like God. There's certain things she just, just wants to do. I want to go to the market. And I don't. But I do it anyway. And I go anyway because it's what she wants to do. And you see, as soon as I start to realize, oh my word, Anna's posture has changed as I serve her, as I sacrifice her, I, I connect to her heart. All of a sudden, she's more willing to work with me. All of a sudden, the, the relationship's getting rhythm. There's grace on it. There's flow on it. There's love in it. It's the same with God as you begin to sacrifice God with praise. and I don't like holding hands up, Phil. It feels weird. As a kid, I used to, those people were weird for me. But maybe you didn't understand it the way it was intended to be understood. Maybe you thought it was about you. This is just God's style. This is just God's way of doing things. And that's it. Full stop. It talks about clapping hands. All throughout the Psalms is a form of worship. It's just what God loves. Holy hands raised. It's just a sacrifice. You don't have to enjoy it, but you do it. And I'm telling you, on the flip side, as you begin to connect to his heart, it will shift your devotion to him. It's funny, we started doing this in our devotion time. We would break up in the, let me just check the time. We would, we would break the room up into, you know, like the Holy of Holies would be the bathroom. Uh, and uh, then the bedroom, all the lights out, and we would have devotion time. And I loved the bathroom, was turn you know the mood lighting on, and you know, sit in the, the toilet and just sit on it, just sit on it, okay, just sitting on it. And then Anna would take the bathroom, and, or, or sorry, the bedroom, and then we'd switch around. And but but we both agreed that we let's try this. We're going to raise our hands just intensely, not not when we feel like it. We're not going to wait. So the feelings are right before we raise our hands. We're going to actually just raise first. I'm going to worship. And you know what, Donna? Our feelings followed. <laughs> we started to sense God's word. And as we consistently done it, I remember we came back to the house. And I said, the first thing I want to do yesterday, the first thing I want to do today is keep the rhythm we had on holiday. And I know you want to buy a Christmas tree, which you did. Sacrifice. <laughs> it looks good for a play. But, but we done a devotion first, and we done the same thing that we done on holiday. We found our space, and we came back and shared. And Anna said, I'll remember this for, for a while. And she said, oh my word, it was so much easier to worship now that we're in rhythm. It was so much easier to experience as if, she said, as if joy flooded into my heart, and it didn't take but a second, because I'm in rhythm of devotion, and I'm in rhythm of worship. I'm in rhythm of trying to hear God's voice. And the suitcase, the deadlock has been broken. I have access to everything that I need. 
I am complete with God's joy in my heart. I need nothing. You see, a relationship needs sacrifice. Watch this. In Psalm 22 and 3, it says this. He inhabits the praises of his people. Now think about that. God lives. We have access. The deadlock is broken when we praise. Why? Because he inhabits. He, what does that mean? When you inhabit a house, you live in it. You start to function in it. You start to, start to move in it. You start to have your being in it. Well, God starts to have his being and his life in you when you praise. When you raise your hands, when you sacrifice, have a sacrifice of praise, when you lift up holy hands, when your intention is to give him glory, not nothing about you, the reward is he inhabits. The temple of the Holy Spirit now lives on the inside. God's life starts to come from the outside to the inside and live in you. You start to see differently. You start to desire differently. Love looks different now. It's not about what you can get. It's more about what you can give. Why? Because he's inhabited you. So God comes alive in you after he is praised. The core, uh, 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 the core of relationship is intimacy. See, uh, there's one thing we wanted to protect as a relationship with each other. And I, I tell you what we did is our intimacy. And I'm not just talking about all the fun stuff. Sex, be real, is really important. I'm talking about heart. I'm talking about, so at the end, when we would share, I thought it would be cool if we, we both kind of shared at the end of our devotion. And I, I, Try this. I think it's great. I think it's a no-brainer. Is at the end, let's praise each other. We praise God, let's praise each other. And so I would think about a few things of the day past that I loved that Anna had done for me. She got me a coffee. She um, came to the beach with me. She said she loved my Speedos. <laughs> I didn't wear Speedos, okay. But, but we would praise each other, and I'm telling you, I've never seen Anna's reaction as pure and as beautiful. I've never seen her as beautiful in all my life as when I praised her and spoke to her heart and told her how beautiful she was and, and all the things that I was thankful for. And I've seen tears come to her eyes within moments. I sp- I, I'm like, my word, this is, I could work this to my advantage. <laughs> but then that's selfish, so calm down, Phil. But we started to praise each other, and I'm telling you, the heart opened. <laughs> and, and health started to pour in, and life started to pour in. Trust started to arrive on the scene greater in greater forms than it had been before. Why? Because we just give it the attention. We give our souls the attention that it needed, the relationship attention that it needed. And God's the same. As you praise Him, as you love on Him, he, you're just giving Him opportunity to access your heart. He's available. He's ready. He's already done what, what needed to be done. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on our devotion, on our praise, all our praises. He doesn't need our praise, but he wants it. And as we praise him, there's a beautiful exchange of love, of acceptance, of the cross, of resurrection power of gifts, of dreams, and all of a sudden, as we began to spend time in God's presence and in each other's, 
as we love God and loved each other, all of a sudden we started to sense what God was doing in our lives and God was starting to speak more clearly and we started to see dreams of the future. We started to see what God sees. Our hearts started to break for what broke God's. We started to see generations. We started to see family. We started to see all of those things that God loves that actually matter, not material possessions, not just stuff that we can't bring with us at the end of our life, the eternal things. The deadlock was being broke and the access was being opened and our hearts were being renewed and the same can happen for you and our church can be released to be all that it can be, but it cannot do it without love. You can have the gifts, all the gifts of the Spirit which are there, but they're birthed in love. They're empowered by love and they're founded by love and they're available to you. Your soul might be broken right now. Well, God has love, access to love, unspeakable, joy unspeakable, but can only be done when you, de- you break the deadlock of your soul and give him your praise and give him your love and give him your attention and put him first. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.